Parker, I think we better get out of here. I, I think we better do what he says, Lars. That's Fuck you! I'm jumping! Do you really want to jump? Do you want to? Well, then that's fine with me. Come on. Down here, it's our time. It's our time down here. That's all over the second we ride up Troy's bucket. Wait and see. Cops never let up. You know. Uh, rubbers on my desk, rubbers in the mail, rubbers in the coffee, rubbers, rubbers, rubbers. You only kept your mouth shut. Oh, you had to tell everybody. I'll give the boys some credit, you know, in one ear out the rubber. Hello, and welcome to Max and Jason Watch a Movie. I'm Max. Jason. Can you repeat that? Sorry. And I'm Jason. Yeah. Today, we're going to be doing a different kind of episode. Sorry. Uh, we had an audio issue for just a second, and I didn't get the I'm Jason, and... Uh, and Jason's upset with my direction. I'm a little, I'm a little crushed here. Well, I, I mean, folks, I work, folks, I work hard. Three on words. It's like three words. <laughs> we lost like half of a Jason in a second. I'll leave it in so that so that it's proved. But today we're going to be doing a different kind of episode. Today we're going to be doing a kind of commemorative profile of a giant of Hollywood cinema, of even uh, even television. That that is Richard Donner, uh, because sadly we lost Donner this year uh, earlier in July. Donner. It was born in, on April 24th, 1930, and he died on the 5th of July, 2021. And he began working in, in film and television in around 1960. He did a ton of television, and we'll talk a little bit about some of the kind of groundbreaking television he did uh, throughout the 60s. And I think he also did, a, a, he did his first feature film in the 60s, which was, a, which was a film about an experimental jet called the X-15, which is the title of the film, yes. and that was in 1961. His last film was 16 Blocks, which was in... 2006 and we'll talk about some of these uh, as we go along I don't know a whole lot about Richard Donner's biography I just have been privileged to enjoy his work over the years I don't know maybe Jason knows a little bit more about the Donner biography just a little bit Richard Donner was he was born of uh, into a Jewish family his his actual name was Richard uh, Schwartzberg so there was a wood name change that came along the way uh, and he was born in the Bronx which uh, for people who don't know New York City you know if you break if you break New York City up into the into the four boroughs the Bronx is the upper left side and it's where the Yankees play and so that's where he grew up and you know that's kind of the, where his sensibilities came from his father was uh, a small business owner making furniture but uh his grandpa owned a movie theater i read he he was kind of introduced to film not necessarily through his parents you know and i, and I don't know the specifics behind it i couldn't find an interview of him in which he talked about this but but there's lots of interviews folks on youtube of richard donner and he's just a joy to listen to you should listen to any of them or i would recommend any of them even the ones i haven't listened to and uh, but his but his grandfather owned a movie theater and which was in in one of the boroughs and that got him into film he's uh, he then joined the navy and uh, was a photographer, was involved in photography there. But then he moved out to LA and Hollywood, I believe, to become an actor. Now, one of the interesting things that I, that I will say that, that, that I think will be, um, I think, kind of interesting and actually will harken back to a previous uh, episode of Max and Jason Watch a Movie, and this, this might be unexpected to you, is that one of the individuals that um, Richard Donner, which was a stage name that he chose, that he credits for creating his career career is Martin Ritt. Okay. You know now, didn't Ritt direct Ombre? He did. Yeah. Uh, Martin Ritt. Richard Donner was an actor in Hollywood. He was doing commercials and things like that.
like that. Yep, yep. And it was Mark Bent who recommended that he try directing. Mm-hmm. And uh, to the day he died, and actually, you don't have to watch many interviews of Richard Donner talking about his career where he doesn't mention Martin Ritt as the man who created him. Just, I think, in my imagination anyway, just kind of an offhanded comment. You ought to direct, kid. Yeah, yeah. But it was something that Richard Donner took to heart and pursued. And he's not forgotten what uh, Martin Ritt did for him. And he's still right up to the day he died. Because actually some of the interviews I watched, folks, were pretty recent. Okay. And still talking about Martin Ritt as the man who made his career. Well, that's interesting. Uh, folks, we did uh, Martin Ritt. We did uh, Martin Ritt film, Ombre, a few weeks back. You should definitely go back and listen to that. Martin Ritt is a, was a very capable director. So it's interesting that he saw the talent in... It would be, I'd be curious to know what he saw in Donner that said, hey, you should you should try to direct this uh, actor who was, you know, getting not great roles, it doesn't sound like, oh. but but that he saw some, some spark there. We're all the better for it, obviously. Yes. So folks, even if you don't know who Richard Donner is, now, if you've listen to the show you've already you've been with us for a couple of Donner films we did Superman Superman 2 The Omen have we done any other Donner films no that no that was it and of course Superman 2 we talked about him a lot he didn't get the final but he he directed almost 50 percent of it so talked about Donner quite a bit uh not enough as far as I'm concerned I'm I'm very excited to do more of his films So we've already discussed them a lot. I'd like to think that this special episode will advertise the the episodes we've already done and the ones we have yet to come. Absolutely. As Donner, so this is what I was going to say, though, before I got off track with the tequila, is that, that even if you don't know who he is, you've seen his movies and you've probably loved them. And in his television work, everybody who's anybody, uh, and I'm sorry if I, I've just excluded some of our listeners who haven't seen this, but the episode that you've definitely seen, or at least heard about or that is so iconic that it is referenced in pop culture frequently even to this day was terror at 20,000 feet correct and that was a twilight zone episode where in uh richard donner directed william shatner around a a a plane that was being uh molested by a gremlin of some kind i think and it's it's an iconic episode in part because william shatner's acting but in part because it's kind of a terrifying episode uh even for 1960s there's someone on the wing (laughs) that's right that's right uh i won't get in I won't get into dueling Shatners with Jason here. I'll let him have the, <laughs> the last Shatner. But uh, but you've if you haven't seen that episode, you have seen references to it in The Simpsons, in comedies. Uh, they even did a remake of it when they redid the Twilight Zone movie. Yes. And I with John Lithgow. John Lithgow. John who Lithgow. Actually, who was actually a really good choice to do that. Which I, I saw that one first, by the way. Yeah, I think I did too. But but he also directed, so that was one of the Twilight Zone episodes that he directed. He directed six Twilight Zone episodes in total. I'm sure they're all good. But anyway, you've seen his shows. He directed a lot of the great 60s shows of the era. Man from Uncle. Gosh, I can't remember. So he did some other stuff too. Do you remember anything that he did from the 60s? Not that Jason well, I mean, and I were alive in the 60s, but. No, no. That, I mean, these are not things that I would have seen, but just the list that I'm looking at. You know, Have Gun Will Travel, The Fugitive, Combat, Get Smart, The Man from Uncle, Wild Wild West, Gilligan's Island, love to see that one, Kojak, 
So he was he was very, very, very active in in television. Well, I mean, and we all know that, you know, a lot of early directors, including Steven Spielberg, by the way, you know, would direct TV movies or television episodes in the 60s and early 70s because, you know, they they weren't named directors yet. I want to point something out about that list that you just made, that it indicates kind of an incredible versatility. Get Smart yes. was, was a comedy show. Elegance Island was a comedy show. Yeah, yeah. Some people say that. I think it was high drama. It was a three-hour tour that turned into a nightmare. <laughs> um, no, uh, no, it was a comedy. There were a couple of other like lighthearted shows, but it also has some drama, some police procedurals. That's probably from Uncle. A, a loose description of, of Kojak. Yeah, that well, that definitely shows like a, a wide range of skills as a director. Like some people do action, adventure. Some people do drama. You know, but I think that all that 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 training. I mean, that's sort of training for for the career that he had in film. Yeah, because like, in many ways he blends a lot of those genres together in his film. That's that's a really terrific insight that's that's a really terrific insight that's that's a really terrific insight it, it kind of reminds me and this is going to be an odd comparison but orson wells who got his start in radio and would and would make money by going to the different studios in new york city where they would be recording you know the shadow and they would tell him what character he had to do and it would be you know oh a 99 year old chinese man and he would boom he would do it and you know and he had this control over his voice and my understanding is i mean i've seen some of wells better films but a lot of his actors in his films who were radio actors would play different roles where they would change their voices quite a bit mm. but it's very clear that wells his experience in radio influenced how he saw films and i think what you're saying is that richard donner in just doing these okay today i'm doing a western today i'm doing the fugitive today i'm doing a comedy today i'm doing a spy show today i'm doing kojak today i'm doing twilight zone which is almost horror sci-fi i'm doing all these different things and whatever the audience needs this week i will do it and really as we will get into that's what his filmmaking career ended up being too oh absolutely absolutely and he was even really good at blending some of those those genres together like the lethal weapon movies are are definitely action films but they're also there's a lot of comedy in them as well and somehow you can navigate those tones really really effortlessly um, well let's pause and put a marker right there what you just said because actually uh people who've been with us for a long time will know that we began a very interesting conversation very early in the early episodes of this podcast in which we talked about what how amazing it is and we did and we discussed this about richard donner and even argued maybe a little bit when we did superman but we talked about not just about Richard Donner but some of the other films that we did that it's very difficult to blend action and comedy and not make it jarring yeah and and Richard Donner was very good at combining those things in a way that's that's almost mystifying well it doesn't sacrifice any of the drama that that sometimes are correct yes now now the first lethal weapon film certainly leans more into action or you know action yes. drama but there are a lot of funny moments in it as, as, as high drama. Lethal Weapon 2, a lot of drama, a lot of comedy, a lot of action. Lethal Weapon 3, we're starting to get more into the action comedy. And then Lethal Weapon 4, it's just throwing everything uh, at the film that's that's possible to throw at it. And that's not a that's not a criticism. I mean, I think all of those movies oh. work, the, all those movies work really well. But somehow 
Donner kind of does that transition from action to comedy. And, you, and I've never found it jarring. Like, now, if you were to watch Lethal Weapon 1 and then Lethal Weapon 4, you'd be like, what the fuck happened to this, to this franchise? But if you watch them in line, you can kind of see how it's almost like you're, you've taken this trip with the characters and, and you get to see Riggs, that's the Mel Gibson character, sort of relax into this. I mean, part of part of that journey is is Riggs and Murtaugh relaxing and we kind of take that with yeah. him. And by four, everyone is relaxing. From what I understand too about Lethal Weapon 4, it was sort of like, this is for fun. There's no more reason to make the Lethal Weapon movies, but if we're going to do it, let's have a lot of fun and let's give people like a awesome Lethal Weapon, uh, an awesome Lethal Weapon film. Finale. And, that, and, and yeah. it was sort of like coming home to these characters that we like. And, and so some of the restraints that we normally have, we would have expected in Lethal Weapon 1, didn't have to, like story restraints, like, oh, that's not believable, you know? Right, right, right. But by the time we got to 4, it was recognized that I think we were all having just a, a fun ride one more time with this cast. So Who was getting too old for this shit? <laughs> One of the things that I guess we should probably say right right away, or at least I'll say right away, I, I actually, I tallied the number of Richard Donner films. Well, let's start with this. Uh, audience, if you if you didn't hear the other episodes that we've done, you might have two of the, the, the biggest non-celebrity fans of Richard Donner doing this podcast right now. I suspect, in fact, I think I know, Max, that you've seen more Richard Donner movies than I have, because I, I, I kind of did a tally. I, I've seen over half of his movies. Yeah, yeah. There's still several that I have not seen, and I, for the moment, I kind of want to keep it that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, because his last film, I, I think, as Max said, was in 2006, which was 16 Blocks, and I, I am seriously devastated, even though I knew it was coming, yeah. that I'll never see another one. So, in preparation for this, and and this kind of spins off your discussion of Lethal Weapon Four and what we're talking about in terms of tone. I just watched for the first time, and I think you've seen it more than a few times. I just watched for the first time conspiracy theory okay yeah i was i was pretty floored because in the early scenes of the movie the thing that hit me was how do you take these characters this guy that's so evidently crazy and who is stalking this woman which is julia roberts how do you take these characters and turn them into characters that we care about and that we're willing to follow through the movie and i kind of sat there in awe as the film did exactly that yeah um, because I, early in the film, I appreciate a lot of what was done. I love credits and how, you know, very stylistic. And I, I, I was intrigued by the story, but I wasn't sure how Donner was going to incorporate his usual touch with character and, and in the end, create a salad, so to speak, mm -hmm. that was going to be satisfying. And at the end, I found myself kind of shaking my head in, in admiration that son of a bitch did it again. Yeah. I, I really, in the end, and this movie got me because he just, Don, Richard Donner folks had this ability to, no matter what the story was, to take these characters and to work with his actors in such a way that he could tease them into creating characters that the actor cared about, that the performer cared about, that he cared about, and that we cared about. And even his mediocre to bad films, I have no doubt that he always did that. Yeah. I liked Conspiracy Theory a lot, but you're quite right. That's a very compelling movie and it's it's shocking to me that it was compelling because it, it sort of has a lot of fun within the landscape of the conspiracy theory um, it was not universally loved no critic. I don't think that it, uh, it was it was successful I read some of the criticisms okay and I, and I don't think I agree with them and, and, and the reason I don't agree with them is because well, how the hell do you 
make a movie where you take a conspiracy theorist and 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 make him somebody that you can uh, sympathize with. Yeah. And I think the film does that, and I was really impressed by that. But I thought um, it, I, I, I also too. Yeah, but, but also also, and this is not a review of conspiracy theory, but but it says something about Richard Donner and about how he could do things that you that you don't expect that you wouldn't think would work, but do yep. that he could that he could put a heart where you didn't expect it and show other people how to do that okay all through the film i'm thinking how do you create any kind of romantic spark between this crazy son of a bitch and mel gibson and mel gibson is just mel gibson in the film i mean he, he he's the perfect choice for the character but the character is so crazy yeah how how do you take that character and julia roberts who is um a, a very likable heroine in the film she's kind of, actually she she's the main character in yeah, my yeah. How do, how do you how do you create a connection between them that the audience believes that is earned that doesn't make you say oh no that's dumb yeah yeah and he gates right along he surfs right right along the crest of the wave yeah. never goes underwater never goes too high and by the end of the film i thought well you know and, and then i read the reviews and i thought i don't think i agree with the criticisms yeah i don't agree with the criticisms because who can do that well i was like, like i was there was never a moment where i was jarred um and there were there were a lot of moments, like where i was like oh i don't know i don't know about that i don't know i mean i mean overall you're like well this is kind of a you know this is a thriller plot so it kind of it's already at the edge of believability so you give it some of the the crazier aspects of the story sure, right sure um, but that's fine that's fine. I, we 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 grant these dispensations as the viewer to the movie uh, several times. You know, whenever we go see a movie, often. So I, none of that bothered me. But I was never jarred by anything by any of the human relations. One of the things, though, with conspiracy theory that that I left being really impressed by was how Donner took a guy like Patrick Stewart and made him the villain. And he was great <laughs> and a convincing villain, a scary yes. villain, actually. And this this would have been on the heels of like seven years of us marveling at the most righteous most most perfect right. star starfleet captain ever the most humanistic character that television had given us up to that point. <laughs> it's absolutely true. Right? You're absolutely right. Captain Jean-Luc Picard, which uh, which Patrick Stewart played for many years before he became the second most humanistic character, Professor Xavier. But, but this was before the Xavier era. Now that we'll, we'll get back to Patrick Stewart and the X-Men in a bit. Uh, not Patrick Stewart and the X-Men, but Richard Donner and the X-Men in a bit. Yes. But for viewers who don't know this, who weren't, who weren't fans of Star Trek The Next Generation, Patrick Stewart had spent seven years being just this wonderful starship captain the complete opposite of James T. Kirk. A very, very excellent, nice, principled guy, and and in conspiracy theory, he's a very, very intimidating bad guy. Not physically, but just just how callous and morally bankrupt he is. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's interesting too that that I ju I just mentioned X Men. Yours. <laughs> You're never too far from comic books with Jason and I, but 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 the story of conspiracy theory always reminded me a little bit of the origin story of Wolverine, the Weapon X program, because of the yes, because of the yeah, way that yeah, yeah, yeah. the way that uh, Mel Gibson's character is manipulated and kind of uh, MK Ultra in this film. MK Ultra is a, I think, some kind of mind control program that, that the CIA once had or it was purported to have. Very Manchurian Candidate kind of stuff we get in this conspiracy theory movie. Uh, Mel Gibson's hero 
though, is is uh, is one of the reasons why he's so fractured is because he's been so badly manipulated by by the bad guys mentally. Anyway, I thought that it, re- it reminded me very much of the kind of things that the Weapon X program had done to Wolverine. So we're going to bounce around a lot in this audience, uh, the, the different ways that Donner has influenced cinema. The other way he's influenced cinema is not just as a director, not just as a middling actor, but also as a film producer. Because he's produced, yes. he produced and was very instrumental in the kind of create creation of the X-Men franchise, which was directed by Brian Singer. Brian Singer made everybody on the cast of X-Men, probably everybody else from on down to the caterers. All right, guys, watch Superman the movie. This is what we want to do. We want to make people believe you can have claws pop out of your hands. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and because Brian Singer was convinced that the proper superhero movie template was Richard Donner's Superman. And he's not alone, folks. I've One of the things that I was in my research that I was doing is like everyone comes back to Donner's Superman and the kind of perfection of that film. Certainly harken you guys back to listen to our episode on Superman uh, where we <laughs> we sort of, you know, give a thumbs up to the consensus on Donner being brilliant and setting this up. But but Donner a bit, it's, a bit of an, it's a bit of an understatement. Yeah, it really, really is. Um, it was two episodes, folks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We, uh, we, we went a little crazy. But Donner's produced a lot of good movies and, and um, of course, the films that he directed, but also uh, other films he did, you know, the X-Men. He basically jump-started the X-Men series. Jason, I've talked oh, for a while. Go on. Well, no, well, no and, to, and television, Tales from the Crypt. Yep. And he did return to television. He and his wife, Lauren Schuler, uh, Schuler Donner, they they created the Donner Company yep. and very wisely purchased the rights to the X-Men in the early 90s. And that's why they were, and I think actually their company will still be connected even uh, yeah. in the MCU because they they own they own it right Richard Donner was actually I don't I don't know I don't know if you knew this I I didn't Richard Donner was offered to direct X-Men was he really yep and, and he said and he said no because he said I've already done that okay okay now in other words that's a genre I I, I did what I wanted to do if you have any questions <laughs> I'll, I'll answer them but I and and the, instead, they found a guy who was eager to be the next Richard Donner. Yeah. And, you know, we don't need to lead too much because I'm sure we will do the X-Men series. We've discussed doing it. Yeah. But Brian Singer de- deserves a lot of credit, not just for picking the right guy to channel, but also Brian Singer does not get the credit he deserves for showing the template for how to do things in this new computer animation era, yeah, yeah. modern storytelling era. Uh, I don't think Brian Singer will ever get the credit that he actually deserves. No, no, I mean, he might not. He might not, which is which is a story maybe for another time. We'll definitely tackle that on, on the X-Men, but I agree. I agree. One other thing I want to say about Richard Donner, about his movies, is that for me, always one of the joys of a Richard Donner film was the actor's dialogue, the way people interacted with one another in the films. It harkened back, Jason and I have been discussing this for years, and I, I couldn't yeah. find any information about it because I wondered, I've always wondered if Howard Hawks, another director we've talked a little bit about on the show, See Our Thing podcast, which was a brilliant, brilliant episode in which Jason and I exposited brilliantly on the thing. Actually, we were talking about a different thing, but we did talk a little bit about that that thing. Did we do both of them? We did not, but uh, we talked about the original quite a bit. Yeah. That's, okay. the, that's the only time that we actually, we yeah. did do a pretty lengthy segue. Yeah, but Howard Hawks is a, a film we, we haven't talked enough about, but Howard Hawks, one of the things that always struck me, he was also another versatile 
director who worked in comedy and thrillers and even horror was this kind of dialogue that just seems like natural. It's a naturalistic kind of dialogue where people talk. Sometimes they talk over each other. Sometimes they give in return. But it always feels almost like you've come upon people who are just talking naturally. And that is almost always the way that Richard Donner films felt to me. Yes. Uh, one of the reasons why I think his films work really well is because I feel when I'm watching a Richard Donner film that I've stumbled into a real world with real people talking to one another. And, you know, sometimes they talk over each other and, and it's, it's, it's just, I don't know. It, I, the word I always use, and sometimes people don't like it because it's overused, is the word organic. It just feels very organic, like, like a real thing that's happening. Even when it's crazy shit that's going on, yeah. when, when Perry White is, you know, talking about a guy flying through Metropolis, it all seems real because in part, one of the things that I think anchors Donner films, this is even true of the Goonies, folks. The dialogue anchors the film into this kind of almost realism because of the way that the people talk. And it was a brilliant thing that Donner did. I don't know how he elicited it from actors, but he seemed to get people to just go. And I, the, the thing I'll, I'll ask Jason, and maybe he knows, uh, uh, do you know if Howard Hawks was an influence on Donner or do you have any insight into how Donner elicited these kinds of performances from people? I have wanted to know that for years and I've never found anything uh, because the comparison is so apt. And to me, and I think to you is so obvious that I feel like that I should be able to find that. Yeah. And I, and I, and I never have now something else that you just said though, how did he do that? I actually found an interview that was, that was very telling. It was, it was about the, Goonies. Okay. One of the things that Richard Donner would like to do as a director, and this is one of the things he said, is that you know he'd be directing a scene and, you know, and here's the written word. And he said, a lot of directors like the written word and I like to, to inspire actors to improvise. Mm -hmm. So, so I guess I'm kind of answering your question here, but not about Hawks. And, and I, I like to ask, you know, actors to improvise. And so some, some actors you'll say, well, I'll tell you what, in this scene, you're supposed to do this, but let's say the phone rings and you answer it. And then the actor will be like, well, uh, who's on the phone? He's like, well, it doesn't matter. You know, I mean, maybe you need to get four teeth pulled. Maybe you make it up. Just, you know, it's just, it's it's a random thing that would happen, Yeah. you know, in your apartment. And there are some actors that would be like, well, I, I don't know what that would be. And he says, and I, you know, and when that happens, you're just like, okay, well, never mind. Okay. And then there's other actors that are like, stop. I know what you want. Let me go. Yeah. And I think that that's where Donner was when he found the right actor. When Richard Donner found an actor, who wanted to be a Richard Donner actor. Yeah. That actor found somebody that was like, okay, this is the guy who will let me be me. Mm -hmm. Now, the story that I just told, Donner was saying, um, he was talking about Goonies, and he said all the kids in Goonies were the kind of actor that would say, never mind, I got it. They did. They did too. No, it was, that was something that was extraordinary. And part of that might just be the kid mind that- Now, well, no, that they, drove him now, they, dr now they drove him crazy. I'm sure. I, he I did have not have- he he did not have fun, but but he he loved what they gave him. Well, that might be that might be the reason that it was only this year that they started production on a Goonies sequel. Well, he, he look, he, he's kept in touch with all the kids. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, again, this is all out of sequence, yeah. folks. This is all kind of stream of consciousness. This is a very organic conversation. Fucking Jason, why did you use that word? <laughs> Richard Donner is what. 
was just a really, really great person. He's the kind of person, I mean, actually, if I listed the top 100 or top 50 or whatever celebrities that would have agreed to be on Max and Jason watch a movie to be interviewed, he'd have been number one. I think he would have said yes in a second. I wish um, you would have said that to me when we started. I would have shot, I would have tried to shoot him an email. I, well, yeah, well, I mean, I... I didn't think he was going to die. Yeah. Uh, well, and, 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 I, and actually, there are several people uh, in their celebrity um, uh, tributes who said, I, I always thought you would be immortal, and I still do. I can't remember who said that. It might have been Kevin Feige, actually. But I, um, I, you know, it's hard to say that you love a celebrity who you've never well, met. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I, I love the man. I, I, I just everything that I've read about him, every interview that I've heard, every uh, every actor that I've heard talk about him, that he was just an abundantly kind, compassionate, human, humanistic yep. person who, but who did not make fluffy films. No. Okay, I mean, this was a this was a dynamic guy who who I think would have talked to anybody. Like if you met him on the street, he wouldn't say "get lost, kid." And, and I think even if he would, it would be in human. Yeah. He was just a really down to earth guy who loved people, who had very deep, deep felt beliefs and and political commitments. Yeah. But uh, great loyalties to everybody that he ever that, that he worked with, that that he knew. I know that Danny Glover said that in working with Richard Donner, this was a guy who who definitely showed that he genuinely cared about me and my life and my family. And I just I just I believe that. I just think that's the kind of guy he was. Yeah. And that's why he elicited so much loyalty from so many performers and and, and 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 you know performers that he was loyal to Christopher Reeve and Margot Kidder who had definite rough times after Superman yeah he, yeah. he was very loyal to them uh Margot Kidder makes an appearance in Maverick yes which yeah. I would which I, which I would love to talk about because I love it so much Mel Gibson went through his rough time and 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 Donner was still very loving to him yeah Donner Donner was not a man who shut people out he accepted people for who they were and you know if they went through if they had a rough go he 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 stuck by him and was um you know i mean there's a uh he's just he's just a he was just a very warm, I, I, I want to say almost grandfatherly type person. Well, that would probably that, be fair because because he was sort of, I mean, he was a guy who had seen so much of the 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 ups and downs of Hollywood. Like he had yes. he had he had a nice trajectory in where he never really had downs. He had some films that didn't perform quite as well as others, but those were pretty rare. But he he certainly didn't ever seem to have anything harsh to say about anybody. And and as you said, he did work and and seemed to love working with certain people over and over again i mean oh, even, but, even but, but I mean, he, makes an appearance in maverick yeah well i mean but i mean even if i mean i think he's the kind of guy that let people be themselves mm -hmm. and he and he was always himself there was nothing there was nothing fake or phony about richard donner yeah i mean if you wanted to know his political opinions he'd tell you uh if you watch any of his interviews he always has a a, a patch on his shirt that said that this kind of a ghostbusters banning symbol and with the word fur you know so he was okay he, yeah, was, yeah. An, he, he was an animal rights guy gotcha. you know i mean he was very very open about his his politics, which were very much to the left. But he was the kind of guy that he loved people. It didn't matter what they thought. It didn't matter what their experiences were. You know, if he could build a relationship with anybody and make them a great performer and, and then afterward care about their well-being, yeah. he would do that. I have to say that, you know, uh, you know, I mean, he may not be Steven Spielberg. OK, I mean, he, he may not be Martin Scorsese, but but Richard Donner, in terms of his artistic ability 
in terms of his ability to elicit genuine performances from people and his the way that he treated his fellow human beings, just the way that he carried himself and his generosity. He, he, he's a magnificently lovable human being. Yeah. And the fact that he really made fantastic movies... It's, it's just another reason to love him. It's 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 icing on the cake. But you said that he wasn't Steven Spielberg or Martin Scorsese, and I kind of appreciate that about him more than you might think, because Steven Spielberg and 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 Donner are are closer species of filmmaker than they are to Martin Scorsese. But yes. I, one of the things I like about Donner films is that it's not always a, a ponderous artistic exercise with him. Yeah, this is a lot of his films, even. And I'll add this on in a second, but are about going to the the movie theater, sitting in a room with a bunch of other people in the dark, and enjoying a fun experience. Yes, in enjoying the 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 ride that we're about to go on. Now that sounds not like the high praise I intended to be, because even though something like Lethal Weapon or Maverick or um, or Superman, for that matter, may seem like light fare compared to something like uh, Scorsese might do, it's always a good time. Even something yeah. sometimes as, as weighty dramatically as Lethal Weapon, which I think has some high some high drama. Yes, you know it's oh. still it's it's still kind of a joyous experience of cinema that I, I think that filmmakers like Donner are important. And he's not always trying. This is something that I, I think is has become more of a problem for Spielberg over the years, and, and not a huge problem. And I, 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 um, Donner's not always trying to hit it out of the park. He doesn't necessarily care about being handed an, a, an award at the Academy Awards. You know, what he wants to do is make good films that people see over and over again. I tell you what, I've watched Richard Donner films a lot more, like individual Donner films, over and over and over again in a way that I haven't done for most of, of Spielberg's films. Like, of yeah. course, I've watched all of the Indiana Jones films over and over and over again. And Jaws. <laughs> and Jaws. And Jaws. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But but sometimes I get the sense that, that Spielberg is trying to impress me with no, his film. I, I... Whereas, whereas what I always thought with Donner was he was trying to tell me a good story. Oh, Does that I make mean, sense? I... Does that sound reasonable? It, it, it does, and it absolutely does. And actually, quite frankly, I do not hold that against Stephen at all because I think he's, oh, no. he's he's continued to do a great job uh, in many different film styles. But I actually think Richard Donner was always just kind of the everyman. He like you know as great a filmmaker as he was, and as influential as he actually was, mm -hmm. which we're kind of only discovering now in the comic era, yeah. of the era of comic films, in which people continually cite him and his Superman film which all which which does surprise it, it continues to surprise and please me but people continue to do that but I think that Donner there was never a time where he felt like oh you know I got something good going I you know I need to keep it going yeah. and, and actually I, I found an interview in which he said it was a Goonies interview in which he said I make films for one audience and that's me okay and, and he said so when I fail I've really failed because I didn't even please me. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think that there was just something very down to earth about his method. Yeah. That when he would make a film, he would just be thinking about how to make it well. Yeah. And not worry about everything else. And by the way, I do know this folks, as has been cited by Max several times. I'm a big Howard Hawks fan. I know Howard Hawks was that way too, yeah. because he, you know, like he would look at a scene and say, well, I don't find it funny or I don't find it exciting yeah. or, and so we got to do something different. And, and 
again, I haven't found any connection between the two, but I think Donner was the same way. Yeah. Like he was always, he would work with his actors, his performers, and like, how do we make this scene better so that so that I'll like it? And there was this, there was just this faith that if I like it, the audience will like it. And much more than 50% of the time, much more, oh. he was right. No, I, I think that's right. Earlier, you, you had said that you'd seen not all of his films, right? I can't remember what the number was. I've seen, I think all but three of his films. Okay. And that was the first one from the 60s. I haven't, okay, so audience, I, this is sort of probably not fair. I haven't seen probably too many of his TV movies. He did some TV movies. Um, yeah. I don't know if I've seen those. And I don't know if I would count those, but anyway. Yeah, 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 yeah. take those out. But like, I didn't see Inside Moves. I didn't even know that movie existed. It wasn't until recently that I, I, I have seen The Toy, but it wasn't until recently that I, I, I learned that The Toy was a Donner film. So this is just films. Let's see here. Yeah, I've seen, yeah, I've seen all but two of his films, I think. You had not, you had not seen The Omen until we did it. That's true. That's true. Uh, this was the great, great thing about doing this podcast that I, I finally got to see The Omen. So we've talked a little bit about Donner the Human, Donner the, the elicitor of great performances from actors. Did you ever find out why Donner had worked with Mel Gibson so much? He did all four of the weapon films, Conspiracy Theory, and I think that, and Maverick. Maverick, yeah. So six films. Six films. Um, I, I did not. I, I would only have two things to say about it. one is an obvious thing, and that's that they they liked each other a yeah. lot. I mean, uh, Donner was very loyal to Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson calls Richard Donner his mentor. Yeah. The other piece, though, that I would say is that Mel Gibson, especially at that time of his career, and I think Lethal Weapon showed this because he needed Mel Gibson to play this this guy that was on the edge, which is kind of who Mel Gibson was, and uh, and and to a very, I think, large extent still is. I think Mel Gibson was one of those actors that I just talked about that I need, you know, what if you do this? Yeah. And I think Mel Gibson was one of the, oh, okay, okay, yeah, 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 I got that. Yeah. And, uh, and and I think that Donner was the kind of guy that was just, you know, so kind and artistic and excited and interested. And, and in fact, I've heard, I can't remember who said this, that Richard Donner was, uh, was like, it might have been Christopher Reeve, actually. Okay. Was, yeah, no, I'm pretty sure it was Christopher Reeve. Richard Donner, as a director, was like a little kid. Okay. Now, in fairness, I think Spielberg, when you see Spielberg in some of his early films, like in the behind the scenes, Spielberg was that way too. Like, you know, an actor come up with something. Oh, that's a great idea. And, and you know, just really excited about, hey, let's, yeah, let's try that. Yeah. And, and I think Richard Donner kept that his whole career. Yeah. Because he was just such an unassuming guy and just such a kind guy and cared about people pretty much universally. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I think Mel Gibson had a certain skill set that just, and this, this is my opinion. Yeah, yeah. But, but I think Mel Gibson had a skill set that fit with Richard Donner. And Richard Donner was exactly the kind of personality that could deal with Mel Gibson's eccentricities. Yeah. That, that's, my, that's my perspective. Yeah. Um, because I just, that's how I see Richard Donner. Well, it's interesting that, that going back to that that idea about like one of the things that you just mentioned, like imagine Donner telling somebody, imagine this is happening while you're delivering your lines. It seems to me that one of the things that he's almost doing is distracting the actor from the process of delivering lines. Yeah. So that he's, it seems like he's instilling almost in a kind of roundabout way relaxation in the actor. Yeah. Like you've read this, you've read the script a dozen times. We've worked through this relax a little bit as you know and and that way it won't Let's play with it yeah. yeah and distract yourself from saying these lines a little bit say them but 
you're doing other things. You're a normal human being going about your day. That's how you have conversations. Yeah. Am, am, I, am I right? You know, like yes, and, and but, but 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 yes, but in the process, you're also you're building relationships between you and the actor. Yeah. And between their fellow cast members. Yeah. Because I mean, I mean, as you know, Mel Gibson and Danny Glover built a relationship. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, they're friends. So Donner also Don Richard Donner was not the kind of guy that would have a set where people hated each other. Now. <laughs> Oh, yeah. So that's all. So I gotta throw this in because I I did I did find a precious little vignette of an interview in which um, I think somebody had caught him maybe in between something and and they wanted to ask him about Superman like you know everyone's talking about Superman and how it influenced the new comic book films yeah. and could you talk about you know your relationships with the Salkinds. And without missing a beat, Donner was like, who's that? Who are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> and, and then he grinned that kind of grandpa-ish grin that he has, like, yeah. I know who you're talking about, but I have to telegraph my, my my ongoing distaste for that. Because Richard Donner was, look, Richard Donner was not a guy who made enemies quickly or at all. Yeah, yeah. So the fact that he's still, I would say to this day, but he, he's gone now. Yeah, yeah. Um, but to the day he died, you know, if you mentioned the salt kinds, he would uh, criticize them with a wink. Yeah. You know, he was not a cruel man. In fact, uh, after the line that I just said, he did state that he thought that Ilya Salkine really wanted to make a movie and it was the old man that wanted to do it on the cheap. And, mm. You know, so, so, you know, he did provide some some actual information, but he had to provide a line and a wink. Yeah. And and I think that's how he made films, though, too. Like, you know, there, you know, there's his films can have an edge. They have a heart. They have humor. They have all these things at the same time. Yeah, and yeah. it's so wonderful. No, I, it's it's true. It's true. Uh, I have very few complaints about any of, of Donner's films. And the only one I can even think about not being really satisfied with was not his last film, but his second to last film, Timeline, which was an adaptation of, of Michael, uh, Michael Crichton novel. Not a great Crichton novel, but not a bad one either. But what I what I realized when I was watching Timeline, it, I'd be interested to hear what audience members think. In all of Donner's films, we, we, we earlier we talked about like a Richard Donner actor. Can you do can you do this while you're delivering your lines what if this happened yeah i thought that he did not have a single richard donner actor on the set of timeline they were all quite popular people at the time but there was nobody who could give that material that organic donner touch and as such it, it seemed like kind of a weaker film uh, it's been a while since i've seen it so i don't know if there were performances that i was satisfied with but in the leads i wasn't satisfied with any of the the leads in the film in that movie and i now at the end of the day that's that's on the director the director's sending out the door you know but you know often probably when you do these things you you do the auditions and you think oh this guy's gonna work out this woman's gonna work out and then you sign people and then you're stuck with it and so you got to turn out a product because you that's what you're contracted to do but timeline is probably my only disappointment in in a donner film i wondered if the old man had, had lost his touch but i will say that you know a few years later let me let me call it up exactly um 16 yeah if three years later he, get, he turned out 16 blocks which i think is a very solid richard donner movie which i believe uh, is being remade is it really yeah that's interesting i yeah, have to see it again my only complaint about that was that that donner's uh 
willingness to let actors kind of play the person that uh let's see here what's the actor's name the person that so uh, 16 blocks is a movie that stars uh bruce willis trying to get a, a government witness 16 blocks across a city in a city full of dirty cops and the only thing i didn't like in the film was the uh yasin bay's accent the the, the informant uh, who wants to be a okay. chef i i didn't like his accent i thought i thought it was like why did you choose that accent actor um he felt good about it and he kind of affects this speech impediment thing that you get used to as you watch the film. I remember thinking, oh, I might have, I might have asked him to do something different. But overall, I, I quite like Sixteen Blocks. You liked it too, right? I think we might have seen I, it together. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I, I remember seeing it in the theater. I remember being very satisfied by it. I remember mm-hmm. thinking, Richard Donner does it again. I look, I mean, he just died, yep. and and this was fifteen years ago. So the fact that I mean, for some reason, he didn't make any other films. I'm so though so, I've been waiting for a movie from him since 2006 i i agree i and i wish he had yeah but but i also think that he was a very happy man yeah yeah he was very happy just running the production company with his wife. I get the impression that he was a really happy guy, and I'm very, I'm very glad about that. I'm very glad that he felt very fulfilled. I, I would direct people. There's a great interview, a, a, a discussion that that I think is precious with Christopher Nolan. Okay, that, that you can find on YouTube. I don't know. I do not know when it was when the interview was filmed. Christopher is it Nolan, Nolan interviewing Donner. It's more like a discussion, but okay. it's but. But if it's an interview, it's Nolan interviewing Donner, but it's okay. more of a discussion talking about, hey, well, what did you do? How, you know, how did you go from the music temp to the score? Oh, that's true. If you can find the link for me, or I'll try and find it now, I'll, I'll put it in, in the episode uh, blurb so you guys can also watch it after you listen to this. Yeah, I, 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 I it may just be snippets. It may be something you have to get on, on a DVD okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, extra, but it's, it's such a wonderful conversation conversation because you know here you have Christopher Nolan who just made this film and he's asking Donner what he did and he asks yeah and, and Donner tells him that when he made Superman you know well you know you, you get addicted to the to the temporary music yeah and that becomes what you hear and then Nolan says well I can't imagine that movie without the John Williams score yeah, yeah, yeah which which is so true but you know Donner's just this kind of unassuming older guy talking about his experience and and, and Nolan's just lapping it up like yeah. well this is what this is what this pioneer did and and of course as everyone knows and I'll telegraph my or I'll, I'm confident that I can say our opinion that uh Christopher Nolan knocked it out of the park with his own version of of, of comic lore but but here here Nolan is asking Donner well you know what was your experience and how did you do this and how did yeah. you do that and but 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 of course Donner you know there's no well of course when I did it really really like you know he's he's just so humble yeah well there's an element of self that sounds like there's an element of self-deprecation in yes honors uh, uh, personality, which is almost which, which makes a lot of sense given that, I mean, there's even an element of that in his movies a bit, I think you know, that kind of, you know, we're all having fun here and it's not, we're not doing brain, you know, we're not we're not curing cancer here, we're we're having we're having a good time. Yes, yeah. And, and Donner certainly always had that that um, that approach to his 
films and and it sounds like it is his approach to life maybe it's that bronx upbringing in the 30s you know there's always that that uh a bit of the bronx in him i don't know i don't know there there is a down-to-earthness to him and his films that i think is 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 refreshing his films don't put on airs and 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 this is gonna sound like a criticism sometimes i feel like some directors we we mentioned a couple of them uh, scorsese and spielberg always seem to be chasing critical accolades yes and i never quite got that since from richard donner well yeah that maybe goes back to that that i'm making movies for me what would i like yeah i, I mean i don't know i like so so his films have a, have a kind of a down-to-earth kind of fun quality to almost all of them that you don't always always find in 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 cinema yeah well um, for a moment, i mean i mean actually i i would be in favor you know any movie that you want to talk about as well at least in passing I, but i'd like to talk about maverick for a second i thought you might so when i saw maverick in 1994 i laughed and i laughed and i and I didn't expect to. Yeah. I, I did not expect to. Oh, okay, this is going to be a film. This is a television show that I never watched. And I never did watch Maverick. My mom liked it when she was young. But I, but, but, but it was never rerun. And I know that James Garner was in it. I, I know all that. I knew all that then. But I had never seen any reruns. Okay, we're going to go see Maverick. And I laughed and I laughed and I laughed. And now in 2021, I own Maverick. I watch it laugh and I laugh and I laugh and I I am in love with every character in that movie no there are lines from that movie that are as clever to me now as they were when I saw it in the theater in 1994. And one of the things that that strikes me is that this movie amuses me so effortlessly. And there's so many movies that don't do that. And this movie is to me, I, I and I'm not exaggerating, folks. This movie is like a miracle to me. It, it is. Well, it's, it's, it's so amusing. It is, and it's all performance driven. It's not gags. It's it's not, uh, I mean, there are some really funny com comedic gags in the film and there's some funny set pieces, but it is a performance driven thing. Maverick is an example of having a film sort of like Goonies, sort of like the Lethal yes. Weapon films that is full of quote unquote Richard Donner actors. I did not expect to like Maverick as much as I did because I knew it was going to be a Western, but it was a, it was a sixties throwback Western. It was a comedy Western. And I did, we'd, we'd had Unforgiven by this point. We'd had a couple of other kind of serious Westerns trying to revive that, that were kind of dabbling in that genre. But Maverick was a, was a, is pure joy to watch. And, and every actor seems to be the character that they're playing. I mean, you don't, you don't think, Oh, that's Jody Foster. Oh, that's James Garner. Oh, that's Mel Gibson. Oh, totally. You think, Oh, these are these people. And you, you get the same sense with a lot of Donner films, but, but with this one, you were just like, Oh, this is just these characters. You think about them as the characters and not as the actors playing them. Though so even through some of the gags, like there's a really funny moment where Mel Gibson's Maverick runs into a, a, a robber of some kind. It's Danny Glover. And they have the bandanas. He's got the bandana on. They they kind of look at each other and they're like like some recognition. But then it's like nah, and they move on. And that was just for the audience. That was for Richard Donner. That was for us yeah. who knew them. Yeah. I mean, like if you're like Jason and I, and, and and maybe you are, you listen to this show. There's always a sense that we would like to see actors do other things together. I always wanted to see Mel Gibson and Danny Glover do something else together. <laughs> yes. um, we don't always get that, which is too bad. But but I, it's something that I wanted to see. So it was just that little bit was nice to see. We also get the little Margot Kidder cameo in in Maverick. But the thing that was so effortless about it was it's just that every one of the actors seemed to be totally comfortable doing seeming seeming 
getting surprised by the scenes as they were unfolding. Um, James Gardner is a joy in the film, as is Jodie Foster. And I, I mean, you don't often see Jodie Foster in a comedy, and she's she's great. Well, I mean, I have no criticism for Richard Donner. The only tongue-in-cheek criticism is is that when he's firing on all cylinders, he pisses me off because he makes a movie that looks so fun to have been in. Oh yeah, that I wish that I had been there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and Maverick is that kind of movie for me. Maverick is exactly that kind of movie, and and I've watched a few of the behind the scenes stuff about it, and it it does seem like they were all having just a really good time making the film. And I mean, that's that's kind of the magic of Richard Donner, and that's a great example. Like audience, we haven't done the show, but I would definitely give you my verdict on Maverick right now. It's ten out of ten stars. It's a it's a movie you absolutely have to see. Totally agree. Totally agree. Um, And uh, we can do it someday and laugh and laugh and laugh, and it'll be great. Yeah, and 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 I always enjoy watching it when I when when I see it. I also own Maverick. Now, for me, a film that's a little genre where, where Donner stepped outside of his genre is typical genre footprint, I guess, is kind of the underrated uh, film Lady Hawk. One of my favorite little little movies that that you often forget is a Donner film. Matthew Broderick, Rutger Hauer. I can't remember who the female lead is. Michelle um, Pfeiffer. Michelle Pfeiffer. Okay, that's right. That's right. And it's it's this age old tor- story. Rutger Hauer plays a knight who I think by night becomes some kind of animal, while by day Michelle Pfeiffer is a is a is another animal. So they they're in love and they can never be together because of this curse that's been put on them. And Matthew Broderick plays this not entirely morally upright character, but Matthew Broderick is the sort of uh, Richard Donner actor glue that holds the movie together, and he, he's very contemporary in some of his line delivery. But I think. I think it's a really fun fantasy adventure that in which Rutger Hauer gets to play somebody who isn't the heavy and he's the romantic yeah. lead. Uh, have you seen Lady Hawk? I have not seen Lady Hawk, but uh, there is something that I want to say about it mm-hmm. that struck me when I watched Conspiracy Theory. Okay. Because actually, I don't know, uh, I think you've seen Conspiracy Theory more than a few times, but one of the things that was really interesting to me is that when Mel Gibson is running from the people in the black helicopters, he goes into a movie theater where they're playing Lady Hawk. Okay. And he's hiding in the crowd. And the the clop of the horses from Lady Hawk Mm -hmm. are are kind of enhanced in the audio soundtrack as a building of tension. And I just thought, you clever bastard. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, how, how Hitchcockian that you take a, 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 a sound element from a film that you made <laughs> and you turn it into something that enhances the tension yep. in a Hitchcockian way in this movie that you made in 1997. And I was just like, does he get credit for this? This is really, I, I, I can't remember clever. anybody else doing this. No, well, I'm actually, I'm curious now. I, I kind of want to go back and see what other things like that. Sometimes directors, especially in the the post film school director era, and so what I, what I mean by that is there was an era where we had guys like Spielberg and uh, Lucas. De Palma, and some of these film school guys who studied films, they would become somewhat self-referential. They would reference other films a lot. And, yeah. and Donner wasn't a film school guy. I mean, he started, I mean, he was directing long before some of these other guys. He sort of seems like he's part of that crowd, but he predates it a little bit and probably influences it. 
I would be curious now to go back and watch some of Donner's films and see how much fun little stuff like that, like that conspiracy theory moment that he does in his films. I would be curious now. So now see, I, I agree with what you just said, but in conspiracy theory, there was nothing pretentious about it. Hmm. Okay. No, and, no, no. And, and, and to defend, you know, I mean, you just listed off a bunch of directors. I think early in Spielberg's career, there was nothing pretentious about any of his oh. references either. No, no, I, no, I'm not saying that. I'm, what I'm saying is that, that Donner seems to be, what I was trying to say, and I, I didn't say it really very well, was that Donner is, even though he has kind of, he kind of predates a lot of these people, he's as contemporary an artist as any of them in his tastes and his, and his skill with yes. is that kind yes. of like, Yes, that kind of referential, that kind of self-referential, not just his work, but but just cinema in generally. Like, you, I mean, I think you know what I'm trying to get at a little bit. Hopefully, you do too, audience. No, I see. I get that, but actually, uh, no, I, I I I see what you were saying, and I agree with it. However, I do think some of these other directors might have, because they got so big, yeah. that at a certain point they would have kind of dipped into kind of a pretentious way of doing it. Yeah, like for example when. When the shark dies, and, and I don't want to go down a Spielberg rabbit hole here, but in Jaws, when the shark dies, Wait, they the use shark the dies? same. When the shark dies, he <laughs> Spoiler: the shark dies. When the shark dies, they use a sound effect that was the same sound effect that Spielberg used in the TV movie Duel from '71. Yep. When the spoiler, folks, before I finish this sentence, if you're a Spielberg fan and you haven't seen any of these movies, we're talking about Richard Donner. Uh, but in in Spielberg's first uh, great Great, awesome TV movie, Duel, uh, which is about a, a, a psychopathic truck driver who tries to run a guy off the road throughout the whole movie. But in the final scene, when he goes off a cliff, it's the same sound effect. Yes. It was used when the shark died. Yes, yes. And I think Spielberg, he was not like, oh my God, I'm this genius. Yeah. I'm going to I'm gonna use the same sound effect and everybody will get it, you know? Yeah. That was but for instead, him. It was, that was for him. It was for him. And I think that that's why Donner did that in Conspiracy Theory. Yeah. He was like, well, here's this movie, Lady Hawk. You know, some people liked it, some people didn't. Yeah. But, you know, fuck it. I'm going to use that sound effect, and these people are going to be watching Lady Hawk, because why not? Absolutely. I, I mean, I didn't know Richard Donner had directed Lady Hawk. Okay. Not until years later. Whoopi Goldberg used to have a late-night interview show, I think, after Bob Costas went off the air, and she had, like, this late-night one-on-one where she would just interview one guest, and she interviewed Rutger Hauer on her show. Yeah. And they had, like, a lot of talks, and she said... Why don't I have more movies like Lady Hawk with you in them? Because Rutger Hauer often was a heavy. He was a bad guy. Uh, yeah. Very rarely did he get to play the good guy. And Rutger Hauer's, <laughs> I don't know. My guess is that he plays a bad guy really well, or you know, uh, a tough guy. But but so I was like, what's this movie, Lady Hawk? And I ended up you know tracking it down. And I was at first not sold on it because it has a contemporary soundtrack. Okay, it's set, of course, in like looks like Middle Ages, and it's got like this rock soundtrack. And I was and I was pretty jarred about it until a friend of mine was like, no music that you listen to in like Conan or any of these other movies is fucking contemporary to the times you're watching, Max. And I was like, you know, you're, point, yeah. <laughs> you're kind of right. And and so like I went back to it and I was like, it's fine. And it's actually really when you let that 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 idea that you need classical music with, you know, horseback sword and sandal fantasy movies go, when you let that idea go, 
I was like, oh, this is just so much fun. And it was strange. I, I, my, I'll ask my friend Jenny if, uh, if it's okay if I'm, uh, shit, I'm not going to mention her last name. But my friend Jenny was like, you know, fucking grow up, Max. And she said this to me, you know, in the early 90s. And, and she was right. And I, I went back and got, gave them film a second chance. And I, I found that when I let that go, I found it to be, I liked it. But then I thought it was just a brilliant movie after I let that go. Which was, it was an interesting choice to, to go from like the strings and class motifs to a to a kind of like kind of crazy rock soundtrack okay so here's the question donner has like a bunch of films that a lot of people have seen a lot of people know they should see what film do you think is in donner's that you've seen is in donner's uh, cv that you think people should should give a chance to that maybe they don't that maybe they don't yeah or, or that you thought critics were harsher on than they should have been that you, that you liked and it would just tell us the the film that you think people don't give enough love to of donner um Scrooge hmm? Scrooge I I I um Scrooge with Bill Murray uh -huh. And Karen Allen, maybe maybe it's because of when you know uh, when Scrooge came out. I was or, or we were in. Um, I think we're still in middle school, but but I remember it was on Cinemax. It, it was shown all the time during Christmas time, and I remember watching it. it I don't think it's a great film at all, but, but uh, I remember I remember being very amused by it, and I remember thinking that it was it was smartly done enough that it stood out from the other late '80s films that I would see on Cinemax. Yeah. Uh, and randomly, yeah, yeah. You see what I'm saying. And so I always, I always kept in mind that Richard Donner directed Scrooge, and we have not mentioned Scrooge yet. Yeah. Bill Murray is. I, I don't know if he's a Donner actor. I, I actually would be very interested in how. And I, I've never read anything about how the production went. Yeah. I, I, I do not think Scrooge is a great movie. It might even barely be a good movie, but it is amusing and it's not terrible. And I've seen it more than a few times and I can, I can certify that I will watch it again. Yes, yes, yes. And so if you, uh, so, <laughs> yeah. oh, right, you see, you know what I'm saying? Oh, I've been nodding since you said Scrooge. Okay. <laughs> I, I I actually I would say that Scrooge um, deserves deserves the same renaissance that I I mean I know that National uh, Lampoon's Christmas Vacation which flopped when it came out mm -hmm. is now a classic. Okay. Um, Scrooge deserves the same reputation. I, I I prefer Scrooge to National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation though I, I though I do find some things amusing about National Lampoon. I, I'm not criticizing that film, but that, well, I I think I introduced yeah. my daughter to Scrooge this year and we laughed and laughed and laughed and I don't know if it's a great movie I don't know if it's a good movie what I know is that it brings me a lot of joy as yes. I'm watching it even Bobcat Goldthwait who's in and <laughs> when when he that moment where he confronts Bill Murray at the end, but he is he is confronted by an even crazier person, like Bill Murray out crazying Bobcat Goldthwait at the end is kind of hilarious, and it's got a lot of great, a lot of great comedic actors in it. And Karen Allen is a Richard Donner actor, hands down. She is she's perfect in the movie. If nothing else, folks, see the movie for her performance because I find myself whenever I see Karen Allen in a film, I want more. I, I ask myself why I don't have more 
more Karen Allen films. I, I, I would agree with that. Now, so about Scrooge. Yeah. Is it isn't it genuinely heartwarming? I yeah. get a, a fuzzy glow yeah. at the end. It's it's hokey as hell at the end. And and I know Bill Murray didn't enjoy making the film. I, I, I think I've I, I don't know that. I think I've read that. Okay. I think I've read that Bill Murray didn't enjoy making the film. This was during an era, I think, when he thought he was gonna pivot towards drama or something, but but he didn't enjoy making the film as much as he's enjoyed making other films. But I love Scrooge. I mean, is it is it saccharine? Yeah, but so are all fucking Christmas movies. It's, yeah, it's no right. more I, or less saccharine than any other Christmas movie that you love. Give Scrooge a chance and let a little love in your heart, I think is what I would right. I would say. I would say right. to that. Right. I it's it's not it's not Donner's best, but it's certainly not his worst. I don't okay. just the real man. <laughs> that's right, that's right, that's right. Jason just uh uh did something from the end credits. <laughs> Now, now, if I'm remembering correctly and that Bill Murray didn't enjoy making the film, he certainly gives a great performance. And I don't know if he's a Richard Donner actor, but he is a great comedic actor. And he finds all the right notes. Actually, everybody does, I think, find all the right notes in the film. Yeah. I have not found a Donner interview where he talks about Scrooge. Mm. But I think that his touches are there. And in fact, I think that what we just said, both of us, is that this is another moment where he he makes a kind of, at mo- at times, nasty little comedy. Oh yeah, that, that in the end is a Capra film. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. Like he blends genres and he does it. He 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 lands what he tries to do. I just think that's that's the thing. And I I, I talked about it about a conspiracy theory that this is like Seven Days of the Condor. <laughs> Three days of the condor? Only with a guy that's so crazy that how can we ever relate to him? How are you going to do this? Oh, you did. You know, I mean, I'm oftentimes in awe of how he takes these kind of simple films, not these big films, but these simple films, and he makes us laugh. He makes us cry. He makes us feel good. He makes us feel thrilled. uh, He makes us believe a man can fly. I mean, that's that's what I'm feeling. One of the shocking things to me about, about Scrooge is how touching it is some in some points um as bill murray's uh scrooge uh, i mean so it's a retelling of scrooge yes of, of, yes. of, of the dickens story it was dickens right yeah but it's an update that's supposed to be also really heavy comedy but there's still a lot of really wonderful touching moments in the film uh that 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 tug on the heartstrings uh even though it's a silly silly film at the end of the day it's no sillier than the scrooge story itself i you know i think that that's a great one to watch another one that i think people might steer away from and they shouldn't we've talked about it already but We've talked a little bit about Maverick, and I, I don't think that I Maverick is a masterpiece. I think yes, it's yes. It's, it's it's a Western comedy, and yes. it's 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 a film that I think does the '60s Western comedy better than almost any of those ever did. Yes, um, but but it also homages the genre really well. It homages Maverick, the show, which originally starred James Gardner, who is a yes. wonderful, who has always been a wonderful comedic actor, and who yes. fit right in with this cast. Is James Gardner still alive? No, he died. Okay, okay. I was gonna say, if he outlived Richard Donner, that would be pretty incredible. But Maverick is is not a send up of the genre. It's not a parody of the genre. It is the perfection of the Western comedy. Would you agree with that? Uh-huh. Oh, 100%. And totally unexpected. Oh. Um, and, and, 
And it also, and if you haven't seen Maverick, folks, which you should, you should stop now because I don't want to ruin it for you. Maverick also ends up being a reboot and then in the last scene, a sequel. Yes, 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 yes. It's And true. I love that. I love that. It's, and, and, but, but, but it never makes a big deal of it. Never no, makes a big deal of it. Never makes a big deal of it. It just... It just is perfectly. Yeah. It's strangely, it seems like an effortless movie. I, I I know that I know that it wasn't probably because just just that kind of that kind of perfection. It, it's a lot of work. I'm I'm sure that it is. But one thing that I do know is that it was even though they I that I gather everybody was working very hard. It it created like lifelong friendships among all of these actors who worked on the film. But it also manages to do some correcting of the of the kind of problematic nature of the of the Western genre like there's some there's some fun Native American stuff in there where where we kind of get like <laughs> Jason's laughing here and I'm not going to spoil anything for you folks but but we get to see we get to see some recompense for like a history of being you know badly portrayed in cinema but it's also fun you know in, in a way there's there's a splendid performance by uh, uh, the actor Graham Greene who's a Native American actor who you've seen in tons of movies you've seen him in if you've seen Dances with Wolves he's a very pivotal character and that he's really wonderful as a Native American reservation police officer in the movie Thunderheart. But Graham Greene is not an actor you'd think of as a comedic actor, but he is he's as good as anybody else in the film. Go on, Jason, sing the praises of Maverick more if you have to. Oh, well, I mean, you you didn't leave anything out. I I mean, I'm sure I, I know that one of your questions that's coming is what is Richard Donner's best movie or my favorite movie? Yeah. Maverick, Maverick is, I can say this with confidence without even reflecting on it, would be in my top three, probably top two. No, okay. No. I love the movie so much. It never gets old. I, I never tire of any scene in it. I never, t- I mean, every performance is perfect. Right down to the ending credits, you know, when, when we kind of go to this, where the cast, which includes every country music performer who has a cameo on the uh, on the uh the steamboat the yeah yeah, yeah. And where they all sing amazing grace with claps and stuff yeah it just kind of plays into the kind of fun like western well, it's, well, it's interesting. i mean it felt that, that sorry sorry i want to pause jason here for a second the the scene at the end is almost like the reprise at the end of a stage show that you've seen a yeah. hundred thousand times it reminded me very much at the end of now in in high school jason and i uh we had a very robust theater program, but we did a we did a show. I actually wasn't involved in the show, but but Big River, the, our yeah. theater program did Big River, and at the end of that, there was this really fun reprise of the the Big River uh, song, which was the main the main theme of the of the film. I'm not the film, but the play, and where the audience is all kind of clapping and singing along with the end of the film, and. It kind of feels at the end of Maverick, like we've just seen a show that we've seen a hundred times, but we keep coming back for more. And you, you almost want to sing along with the cast. Yes, the you film. do. Um, and, and it helps. It helps that it's Amazing Grace, which is a song that a lot of people know. And 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 that was used earlier in the film. Yes, because yeah, yeah. Uh, because Maverick and James Garner that they, they don't know the words. <laughs> Right, yes. like you know, because you know somebody ought to say something, and nobody else. Oh man, and, and then they sing "Amazing Grace" over the grave of the station, <laughs> over the grave of the station driver. Yeah. And uh, I, I love the movie so much. I'm the driver. 
we can't give too many spoilers. Maybe some of you haven't seen it. We'll probably do Maverick on the show at some point. But. Oh God! But, okay, but but then you know, on the steamboat during the poker game, the poker game is populated with contemporary and classic country music stars. Some of them are dead, like Waylon Jennings is there, and old Western actors as well. Okay, yeah. And you know, I mean, Uncle Jesse from uh, Dukes of Hazard yeah. um, is there. The guy <laughs> from while Jason struggles there, I just want to say Dukes of Hazard is sort of a dreadful show. I loved it as a kid, but it doesn't hold up well. No, no. Well, and, and, and actually Denver Pyle, that's not, that's what we remember him for, but he was actually a pretty accomplished character. Oh, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, uh, he was in Bonnie and Clyde. He's, he's the, uh, he's the marshal that goes after them. Like, he, I mean, so Denver Pyle, like, he has, he has like a sliver of uh, a screen time, but he's hilarious in Maverick at the end when he's getting tossed. And uh, Waylon Jennings, you know, he's like, you know, like, you know, I don't have any, any guns and they pulled it. Well, what's this gun? It's like, oh, well, that's hers. And it's like, that's hers. Like, well, I'm just carrying it for her. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and then they throw him off the boat like just just a little throw. I mean, Maverick is full of throwaway lines. Yeah, that uh, are gold, and well, throwaway lines you know are usually just like, okay, that was kind of nice. Yeah, but e but but even the throwaway lines in Maverick are are I think hilarious. Well, no, I, no, Maverick is gold, and like so, if you're a country fan, like there's lots of stuff I'm sure I missed. Um, but like. I'm, I, I've seen a lot of Westerns and so I, there was a lot of that that I caught but there's a lot of little moments for all kinds of film fans in Maverick and it's it's sort of a joy even if you're not a fan of the Western I think Jodie yes. Foster is uh, like I said Jodie Foster I said this earlier she's joy she's a joy to watch in this film um, yes she is and, and yes, it, she is and, and, and I love her and everything but you don't often get to see her do comedy and she's really good in this film I don't even think you get to see her often be a romantic lead in films I mean am I, am I wrong about that no, I think you're right, and and she nails it. Oh gosh, um, like the chemistry that she and Mel Gibson have in that film is, you know, it's it's great. I oh, was well, a little shocked at how good they were together. Well, that being said, the three principal leads—Mel Gibson, James Garner, and her—I mean, the chemistry that the three of them generate, yes, is beyond compare. Oh, and uh, and then, now with that level of talent, can you expect anything less? But when you add, and and this this podcast is about Richard Donner. Yeah, when you add that Richard Donner is the one who is giving them direction, who's, you know, having lunch with them, yeah, yep. who's saying, hey, you know, what can we do with this scene? You know, what what will be funny? What will be exciting? What will be... And these are these are experienced performers. And James Garner, very experienced. Yes, yes, yes. Him, very experienced. And, you know, and, and James Garner, very charming actor, uh, very used to being a leading man, as is Mel Gibson. Richard Donner being the... as And this is something Richard Donner said about himself. I'm just a traffic cop. Maverick, most of Donner's films actually feel this way, where he's just basically helping guide these performances that are already there, and he's just kind of chipping away little bits that aren't necessary. But it just feels like a bunch of people getting together, and almost like a jam band. Yeah. You yeah. know? Uh, oh, that, that's a very good comparison. People who rehearse together all the time, just riffing, and having fun. And I, I always get the sense that of that kind of relaxation uh, of the Donner... Of the, of the perfect Donner movie. All right, so favorite Donner films. What 
what are your what are your go-to Donner films? Longtime listeners will not be surprised with this. I do believe that Donner's masterpiece will always be Superman. Okay. I'm pretty sure that I've heard that he believed that, but I also want to defend it a little bit from within the Donner universe. Okay. Richard Donner had a sign in his office. It was a picture of Superman flying, and it said verisimilitude. I hope I pronounced that correctly. And and that was something that he preached when he made Superman. You know, that we want to make this film honestly. You know, the whole idea, we want to make people believe a man can fly. And if we can't do that, we're, we're going to fail. But we, we need to make a film that is honest and that will, you know, people will react to. Now, I don't want to say this is the first film he did that with because I, we've also done The Omen, folks. And I think The Omen pretty much nails that too. Yeah. But I think that Superman, with Superman, Richard, Superman is Richard Donner's legacy movie. And I feel this even stronger now that he's passed. And I, you know, I've read all the tributes and every, look, folks, all of you out there, Max, me, we all love the Marvel films, any, any good comic film, we all just adore. I mean, that's kind of, that's what this, that's what this era is all about. Richard Donner set the tone and the tone that he set is what Max and I have been talking about, about all these films, this mixture of comedy, light comedy, not inappropriate comedy, but light comedy, action, drama, effects, uh, music, just kind of the perfect Caesar salad that that um, uh, made right in front of you that is exactly what you want it to be. And that's why if you go back and listen to our uh, podcast about Superman, and you should, I'm almost certain that I say that it's still my favorite comic film. It, and and I would repeat that now, and that I, I love the man that he made that film, and I'm so grateful to him, as I think we all should be, that he laid down that template that has that has lasted that there are so many really great talented directors and actors that have followed that template and made films that are different but in the same uh, that succeed in the same way and so to me Superman is his best film I, I did say earlier that Maverick would be in my top three it might be my number two I love it that much yeah, yeah. Um, in no order my other favorites that I would say are great films that any even a non-Donner fan would enjoy would be The Goonies, The Omen, in yeah. my mind, by the way, would be there. And and actually, I mean, I mean, it really, I really, I would say any of the Lethal Weapon films, yeah. maybe with the exception of three, which I which I do love. Yeah. Um, but I do think it's the least of the four. But really, the first Lethal Weapon is pretty awesome. I I, I would recommend that to anybody. No, I think that that's that's totally accurate. And I mean, of course, it has to be because they're your favorites, and that's that's accurate to Jason. <laughs> right. But for me, I, the, the list isn't rem- necessarily remarkably different in no particular order for me. Superman, the movie. I actually read an essay about that today and and uh, I'll spend a moment on that real quickly. The film spends a, a lot of capital on the early life of Clark and grounding Superman's story in the story of Clark in Kansas. That was the verisimilitude that, that Donner was after, the truth, I guess, of, of that. He wanted to ground the film in that kind of earthy way so that when we got the shorts over tights later on, we would believe. And so I'm echoing what Jason said earlier, but I always love Superman, but I'm kind of a latecomer to the idea that it was a great, one of the greatest comic book movies. But no, Jason's kind of won me over to that argument over the years. And I want to also kind of talk a little bit about, I guess, the 
the fact that Jason said this about Superman and not the Avengers is incredible because Jason was never a DC guy when we were growing up. That's right. That's right. He didn't like DC. No, but Superman no. is one of his favorite movies. So that should tell you guys something about, about how great Donner Superman is. Uh, for me, and again, this is not necessarily an order, and it, my 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 order, my ordering of it would change on the day that I see the films. I used to be able to recite Lethal Weapon from the beginning <laughs> to the end, and I could like hit hit it pitch pitch for pitch, you know. Like I used to annoy some of my friends when we would watch watch Lethal Weapon together because I would like I would sometimes do the lines. Do you want to jump? Do you really want to jump? <laughs> All right, asshole. Let's do it. Let's jump. I want to jump. Do you want to jump? Come on. Anyway, that's probably not perfect because I haven't. I haven't. That's pretty good. Um, and so, so that Goonies, obviously, yeah. obviously, and and I think Lady Hawk is one of my favorite Donner films. It's like it's not the highest on the list, but I enjoy it. But this was probably my top. Like I said, no particular order. Probably they change as I watch them on the day. Yeah. Anything you want to say in closing? Is that is there anything else you want to do before we we head off? I don't. I don't want to. I, I feel well, like I mean, we've I, maybe I, gotten through the Donner uh, tribute here. Is, but is there anything else? you want to add before we we close off just something that occurred to me okay um that that really seriously just occurred to me and i did find an interview that donner did in 2010 okay with um with two of the goonies actors and uh he was talking about uh the the early planning of a goonies sequel okay he he's joking around with them like they're still kids yeah and and it's sean astin uh is one of them and at the end of the interview he puts his arms around them yeah while he's looking at the camera and talking about uh and Corey Feldman's the other one okay. and and he's got his arms around them and he's just talking about and, and and he's just resting there and talking about his plans for the sequel and just when you were talking about Kansas yeah. Superman I thought about um uh, Glenn Ford and putting his arm around Clark yeah yeah and giving you know telling him you know son you were here for a reason and it's only in this moment that I actually that it was actually suggested to my consciousness to my mind that when Donner wrote that scene or he didn't write that scene but when he directed it yep. that he directed it the way that he would have talked Clark Kent okay? yeah, yeah, yeah. as a dad he put himself into that scene and that that uh, the way that Jonathan Kent was with Clark is the way is what I want to think but I think that I'm right about this yeah the way Richard Donner was with everybody yeah yeah just just a very lovely man and and you know if if I mean anybody who ever listens to this podcast yeah you know, who, who who is a relative or a friend or worked with or, uh, and actually, I, I, I actually, I do want to tell this story. Okay. Yeah. Because, Absolutely. because apparently Richard Donner was somebody that never got mad at anybody. He was very yeah. famous for, you know, you know, didn't lose his temper, didn't yell at people. There was this guy that told this story. He was waiting to see for Richard Donner to lose his temper. And there was mm -hmm. a best boy or something, you know, script boy, something on some movie. I don't know what movie it was. Donner came up to him and kind of got in his face and is like, what the hell are you doing on my set? You need to get out of here. Oh, Oh, this is the moment he's losing his temper and then Donner said doesn't your son have a you know a, a, a game today like a, a ball game of some kind <laughs> and uh, because Donner had overheard him telling somebody else 
you know, in the commissary or whatever, my kid is at game today. And Donner said to him, I need you desperately on this movie, mm-hmm. but he needs you more today. Oh, wow. And that's the kind of, I just, look, I believe that's the kind of guy that he was. Yeah. And we've been talking about his films and I'm glad we did, but, you know, but I also want to talk, you know, I, I definitely want to get in there. Just what a, just what a great human being he was. And I got to say, look, he's 91 years old folks. Yeah. You know, I mean, the fact that he died is not really a surprise, but, but, but I have to say that I'm I'm actually I, I I think I speak for you as well. I'm I am sad about it. Oh yeah. I, I'm I'm very sad for people that know him and and his family and 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 people that now have to go without him. But but I'm sad for us too because his imagination is now taken from us and his kindness from the world. I I mean I would advertise his films not just for the fact that he was a genius and he was. This is just a, a, a you know a great great human being that worked in Hollywood and and is is worth paying attention to and i that's all i have to say well geez i had a couple other questions but i don't know if i want to step on that on that uh no ask the questions i'll talk about them all night all right all right Uh, so think about jason's just said that 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 donner was 91 i thought he was like in his mid-70s so i'm even more devastated because I, i was so shocked by his death, I, was, I didn't realize he was as old as he was. And like I said, I've been I've been waiting since 2006 for the next Donner film. So, is there any way to move forward on a Goonies sequel, or does that does that project need to stop? I I think that it should stop personally. I also I was questionable on Lethal Weapon Five. It was in the works. Yeah, I think that I think that should stop too. Well, there's yeah, I don't I don't uh, without Donner, I don't see a future for that project. Yeah. Now Goonies, I could make maybe see moving forward and I would sort of like to see it move forward and it, part of me wants to see it move forward because I want to I want to know what happened to all those characters I would like to see uh I think uh oh gosh so folks in the era that Goonies came out I had a couple of crushes one of them was on Storm uh of the X-Men and specifically the John Romita Jr. draw uh, the John Romita Jr. rendering of Storm of the X-Men and that's I, I always wanted to date her but but it never worked out, as you can imagine. And uh, oh shit, I actually I accidentally clicked on the Goonies uh, video game. I forgot that there was a video game of the Goonies. It, w- it was Goonies Two, wasn't it? It might have been. No, because because for years I actually thought there was a Goonies Two because yes. there was a video game called Goonies Two. Well, yeah, that keeps that's what keeps popping up. Damn it! Let me see. Let's go back to this. Uh, but uh, uh, the other the other crush I had was oh there's top of the film was this actress whose character I really liked. A lot and you, a lot of you guys are gonna think it's Carrie Green as Andy, but it's not. It was Martha Plimpton who I had a huge crush on, and she was the one who gave Mouth, the Corey Feldman character, a lot of trouble. But I always, I always had a crush on Martha Plimpton. But anyway, but not just her character who she played uh, Steph. But I was ah. curious about all the other characters in the film. I want to know more about them. The other thing too about a Goonies sequel is I, I sort of would like to see Corey Feldman get some kind of moment because I feel like he's had a hard time ever since, and it would maybe be i wouldn't mind seeing him you know recover from whatever it is that he's gone through but i, I it, do you know do yeah. you know that martha plimpton was a granddaughter of john carradine i did not know that i did not now know you that. do now you uh, do now of course some actors can't return uh to the film i guess some of them aren't with us anymore, but but uh, yeah, I mean, it would be fun to see these characters again. But I don't know who could direct it. I mean, the only the only the only the only thing that comes to mind and it, and it sort of fits, I think, is Steven Spielberg because he was such an, an important part of the first Goonies film. He wrote it. I mean, yeah, 
And well, so, I mean, uh, he came up with the story, yeah. and actually, there are a lot of stories that he was he was on set a lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think well, I, visually, there are a lot of Spielbergian touches. Well, Corey Feldman said that Spielberg was almost like a co-director; like yeah. he provided a lot of insight. Yeah. Um, but uh, but I, and I buy that. Yeah, oh yeah. But uh, but I buy the co. Because the fact of the matter is, is that is that uh, Richard Donner did regularly what Spielberg did only did at his best. Yes, yes, and that is really create organic performances. Well, I just think about the gang. Just think about yeah. the gang and Goonies. Oh yeah. shit, Francis. Oh shit, when Sloth Superman's out at the end, yeah. which is which is another little Donner touch, a little self-referential touch. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they're like the brothers, the brother criminals, realize what trouble they're in. No, I, I I don't know if it should go on, but if it does go on, I think maybe somebody like Steven Spielberg should probably direct it. I don't think that he will. I mean, actually, I mean, it would be nice to see Steven tackle something simple like that again. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, now yeah. it's all now it's all either very excellent ponderous dramas, yeah, or um, uh, just computer animation, yeah, yeah. And to see him do something a little bit smaller scale that is character driven and focus more on dialogue, which we know he can do. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think would be great. Absolutely. Well, that was, I was actually that was something I was I was one of the one of the things I wanted to ask you was about about the Goonies project. We've got your verdict on on Lethal Weapon. Well, that's all I got, really. I don't know. I don't know that there's anything to, else to say except audience. The verdict is: go see some Richard Donner films when you get a chance. And and we promise that we will we will review more of them in the future. That's right. I we love the man. Yes, I, it's true. He, it's true. And, and if you if you if you like the joy of film you would you would do very well to dive into any of his movies it's true cautions on timeline <laughs> okay i've not seen timeline yeah. but i definitely as i guess your verdict is the reason why i've never seen it yeah yes yes all right folks like and share us go to apple and give us a five-star review it helps us get noticed uh reach out to us reach out to me on uh, twitter at the separate test and tell me what you think we need to do next where you think we've gone crazy email us at lordmovies 39 at gmail.com jason what are we doing next do you know the outlaw josie wade classic Clint Eastwood film gritty western drama so says the Netflix uh, synopsis we'll see you guys next week same bat time same bat channel that's it guys night night and they look happily ever after <laughs>